0: Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process
1: and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now here are your hosts, Dave McClung, and Chad Grigsby. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the, I believe, the 20th episode of The Grind. This is kind of our first uh, momentous podcast, and who do we have on the podcast with us today? Well, we have, as always, Dave McClung, myself, and the illustrious, the magnanimous, the overly cheerful and exuberant Chad Nick Grigsby. Burt. Oh
2: yes! Sorry, <laughs> well I thought Nick you were is saying
1: here Nick. too. I was waiting for your usual droll and humdrum kind. Not of... Not today, Dave. Not I today. am here and I
2: am happy to be. Here. <laughs>
1: you are loud, proud. You are a woman. Here you roar, huh? Get get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a this is a new and improved Chad Grigsby here. Uh, you know, stepping up his game. Episode 20. It's time to get ready, right? You, you got to bring it when it's episode 20. There may That's not be right. an episode 21, so you got to bring it on episode 20. You, you never know when it's your last episode. That's right. Listeners out there, we are always just uh, uh, one step away from being removed from having the ability to do this podcast. So uh, <laughs> thank you guys for hanging with us for 20 episodes. That's kind of cool. And so uh, we have a special episode. Kind of episode today. We have our very first return guest. So not only is this the 20th episode, but it is the first with a return guest. And so we welcome Mark Cox from Columbus, Ohio. Hey, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, kind of lick your lips before you, you know, kind of have to speak. No
0: more return guests ever. This
1: is horrible. I, I do have to say, your head is really big on that video screen. And, uh, I mean, it's big normally, but on the video screen, it's quite large. You have expanded your melon. Maybe you, oh. you cut your hair, and that's what it is. That's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah. So, looking nice, though, with your big head. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, we're excited to have Mark with us. Uh, and if uh, you guys will remember back to... Was, it was like episode six or seven uh, back in September. Uh, we had Mark on and they were planting Access Church in Columbus and had shut it down for a season. And they have now since relaunched Access Church as of this past Sunday, which by the time you hear this will be a couple of Sundays removed, so that was would be Easter Sunday, and so uh, so we're following up with Mark and wanted to do a kind of a catch up with him uh, after they kind of relaunched on Easter Sunday of 2017, and so welcome Mark Cox, thank, thank you, you for being here. Good to be here. <laughs> This is going to be a horrible episode. I can just tell already. With your big head. Glad you're here with your big head. (laughs) So, uh, hey, as long as Christy Cox loves you, that's all that matters, isn't it?
0: She thinks my head is sexy. (laughs)
1: Uh, I was about to sing a song right there, but I I shouldn't sing that song. So, uh, anyway. All right. So, Mark, give us a recap since last we talked and uh, kind of talk about you know what your time's been like since you guys decided to shut down access and uh, you know kind of building up and leading up to the relaunch, as we like to call it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's um it's been it's been a ride for sure. We I think we uh, did the interview in the fall, early fall. and so uh, at that point in the game, um, we had had our last service, May fifteenth. Started uh, the church playing residency with Covenant Church on July fifth, and um, and one of the things that that was cool about doing that residency was um, there was just a small season there where the whole goal was just to relax, just to rest. I mean, and not that I wasn't working or anything, but but it was it was kind of low key, kind of getting to know people, and and um, there weren't really tasks as much as it was just kind of get filled up, and so. Um, the last time that, that we talked, that was the stage I was in. Um, now, it pretty quickly ramped up to um, I took positions like uh, outreach team director um, for their church for that season. Um, I ran um, the, some of the different projects where we would partner with our local kind of like food pantries and uh, pregnancy clinics and things like that um, and uh, stock shelves and things like that. Uh, I was able to um, have some informational meetings at their office to, to talk about it. I mean, if you can imagine what it would, <clears throat> what it would be like is you step back uh, from having uh, weekly services and then your pastor goes in front of your church and says, uh, Mark is going to be asking some people if they would be interested in moving to Dublin and being a part of this church plant, um, and he'll be— talking to you if he feels called to and so every conversation for the next several months people were kind of like on thin ice around me or they you know they didn't know yeah. if they were gonna <laughs> ass, or, I, I couldn't ask somebody for coffee without them being like um uh are you am i gonna have to quit my, <laughs> <laughs> put my house house up for sale um so anyway all that was fun and uh and, and so push all the way to now we did just have our launch um and uh, and it was a it was a really really good weekend um uh, i i don't know tell me how much you guys want to know do you guys want to know more about the launch do you guys want to know more about like the residency or what are you thinking because right, I, I just started talking and i think i forgot your question
1: yeah that that, that was very apparent and uh, thank you for <laughs> rambling and so uh the answer to your question is yes And so, okay, so you had, so that was almost, what, almost nine months then, I guess. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, right at nine months when you started the residency. So talk about, uh, you talked about kind of some of the projects you took on uh, at the church where you were doing the residency uh, with Covenant Church. You know, kind of talk about some of the things that you worked on, you know, in the residency, gearing up toward a relaunch uh, obviously, recruiting people and everybody hated to see you coming because they were scared you were asking them to move. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, some of the things you guys worked on that maybe helped you in in your relaunch, uh, sure. preparing for that.
0: One of the things that was that was really great was every Monday afternoon, Pastor Travis and I would spend uh, about an hour and a half together, essentially doing a whiteboard session where we would um, scale all the way back, tear the whole thing down, and, and start from ground zero. Um, what is important about a church, what's important about how to start, what's important about who's on the team, what's important about what you do in the community and, and what community you're in I mean there was there were no assumptions um, that we would have to go back to Dublin. There was a point where we were having conversations because I mean if you I mean gosh think about it, everything that could go wrong with a church plant could be any kind of different source. Like so maybe you've got the wrong planner. Maybe you've got the wrong team. Maybe you've got the wrong methods. Maybe you've got the wrong city. And so there was a season there where we were talking and I was not having to defend it, but I I, but I was kind of having to come from my own heart describe like why Dublin? Why now? Why this kind of church? Why these kinds of methods and all this so we scaled all the way back to some of those conversations, those were Monday afternoons. And so we would talk about everything from, uh, missiology to ecclesiology all the way. Fast forward to, um, how to structure the leadership, how to do groups and everything. And, um, so that was great. Um, partner that up with just, um, with, uh, doing some preaching, um, leading some teams. And the thing, that, <laughs> the thing that they were doing the whole time strategically was putting me in rooms with people um, so that um, I could honestly meet people. Uh, the truth is that I didn't know a whole lot of people that went to Covenant. Um, I knew some of the people that were in the offices, interns, staff, things like that. But for the most part, um, all these people, people that we're going to be asking to come along with us were cold calls because you know we were meeting people left and right um and so when I led like for instance when I led the the outreach team um uh, I would have several meetings and it was just up to me to 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 lead this team to make it happen and uh you know a couple of those people on that outreach team would would end up getting asked for me to to join the church and and one of them uh, her name's Brittany. is is a part of our church now. She's in the process of moving and and literally changed everything about her life, um, job, home, wow. everything, and and has fully embraced kind of what I guess you would call being a missionary. She's changed everything about her life, leverage it for the gospel in Dublin. Um, so so like, so,
1: how far is Covenant from where you guys are planting?
0: About twenty five thirty minutes. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So it's not too far, but it's far enough where you you don't want to necessarily drive in. Right, exactly.
2: Okay. So how many folks uh, did you guys end up uh, going with you from Covenant?
0: So um, we had – see, I probably asked about uh, 30 people, and I mean 30 people, so some of those were like parents and their kids – But we had eventually probably about 10 people come with us. Um, And the people that said no, essentially all had – I don't think I met anyone that said no that had a bad reason. Um, In Mm -hmm. fact, there were so many people – just to give you an idea of the DNA of this church – there were so many people that would end up saying, we're in the middle of inviting our neighbors to church and they're just starting to come. We're inviting our boss, you know, and and I I can't change – jobs and and all that. And and granted they could still keep their jobs, but, um, there were every one of those conversations is like, we're, we're reaching out to our family. And for the first time they're having these conversations, I got to take care of that before I can think about moving. So, um, so stuff like that was, was really cool. But, but we did have about 10 people decide to go.
1: So was there anybody from your, your original team that is left that that's hung with you this whole time
0: everybody left no um yeah so we had what's interesting about that question is um surely there were people that left um because of i don't know for whatever reason and i and i i mean that in the sense of like there was a reason they needed to leave for their own health whether it was like they they didn't like the direction of the church or they whatever some kind of disagreements yeah um Now that was not the case for most people, um, but surely you know there were some people that were like that. Mostly, though, when we stepped down, no one was saying we're not coming back. They were saying either let us know because we're all in, or um, it's nine months and we don't know is it okay. And I was like, of course, I don't, I don't expect you necessarily just to put your life on hold. Yeah. Um, So a good amount of people. This is, the, this is the really interesting nature of, of the way this all worked, is we had church for publicly for eight months, and some of those people that were with us for those eight months found other churches yeah. in the stead. So while we were picking up from Covenant, we were losing some original team members. yeah However, um, I would say that some of those team members that we picked up from Covenant um, probably had... Um, some experience leading where typical church members don't, right. um, and, and so we picked up some really high capacity volunteers from Covenant, um, which just goes to show again the generosity of Covenant Church. Um, yeah. Their their tech director came with us. Their one of their best kids volunteers came with us. You know, wow. stuff like that. Um, yeah. So so while we had some kind of in and out flow. Um, we, we did see some people leave and, 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 but the majority of people hung with us.
2: Yeah. 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 Cool. So if, if you could say, you know, top two, three things that you took away from the residency that helped you in the relaunch, uh, what would those be? Sure. Um, first, first of all, the,
0: the very, and I, I said this the last time we interviewed and, and it, I think it bears repeating Um, because it's just maybe the biggest lesson I've learned out of this whole deal was that um, I had wrapped all of my um, identity up in in how well everything that I'm working on is going. And when it wasn't uh, quote-unquote successful from, from, you know, depending on what standards you look at, um, there was a bit of me that came tumbling down with that. So um, part of the residency was building... Mark Cox back up Um, now secondly which is very close to the first this is something that I had not um, I honestly had not I didn't see coming um, and and it was identified uh, by by Pastor Travis in me is that uh, I had lost a lot of my confidence and so when I would be asked questions like uh, what are you good at? What 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 strengths has God? What gifts has God given you? You know what kind of blah blah. blah. And I would probably beat around the bush and say, Well, I don't know. I'm not you know, good people, at anything. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and when people would when people would would give an excuse as to why they couldn't do something, I would just say, You know what? You're probably right. Or you know, as a leader, I had a lot of those gifts lacking in me because a lot of my confidence was gone. And and mm-hmm. I think. Um, I don't want to parse this out too much, but, I, but I, I think one of the things that I, I grew up with a false assumption that, um, in order to be humble, you couldn't be confident, I guess. Yeah. And, um, and that's, I think a false dichotomy, uh, that, you know, somehow I ended up with, 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 a, I believe in a lie there, but, um, the truth is, is that I, I think I, I had so many people teaching me as, uh, a young man, uh, a guy training for a ministry, that humility was such a high value, um, and that arrogance was something that should never be a part of a pastor. And all those things are true. That somehow confident, like godly, biblical confidence in understanding how God created you, and that you have strengths, that you have things that you're good at, that you have ways that you're valuable to the kingdom. Uh, it, be, it felt like arrogance, and I kind of ran from that. And so, in in a lot of ways, any any inch of uh, any ounce of confidence I had kind of beaten out of me <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah. so um pastor travis and i we, we spent a majority of the of the time um him him graciously walking me back through that to be honest wow. i mean that was him as a counselor him as a friend him as a pastor asking me like what 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 is it what is it and, and i would say things like um Things you know how sometimes you say things and and you when they when they're out there in the air you're like where did that come from I didn't know that was in there yeah um I uh, one of the things that that actually it was actually one of the staff members at Covenant asked me is like what would it take for you to feel like bold in the pulpit again and confident in your leadership and I said this I just out of nowhere I said um, I want. I want to get back to a place where my strengths and my gifts are earning some wins for the team. And I don't feel like that's happened in a long time. Yeah. And, um, and so out of nowhere that, you know, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I kind of realized that maybe, maybe what I'd start to believe about myself is that I, I truly was worthless and I truly wasn't gifted in any of these things. Um, so that was kind of a, that was kind of a, an issue there. Um, that we, that we work through. Um, so all of those are inside the heart of the planner, yeah. you know, uh, those, those two things. Um, I think, I think at the end of the day, uh, if I had to pick a third thing, I would just say that it matters how you staff, it matters how your team operates together. It matters that, um, it matters that, how do I say this? Um, Sometimes people won't realize that it's not going well for them in church yeah. and they'll say things like, yeah, I'm good. Don't worry about me. I don't need to come in the service. I'll, I'm fine working in the kids ministry, working on host teams, working in the parking lot, whatever. I'm fine until all of a sudden it's not. Yeah. There's a, and there's a, an interpersonal kind of fracture, a break there. And uh, those are some of those things that, you know, obviously you should be paying attention to. Um, I think I I kept my head down. Yeah. (laughs) I was just go, 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 go. I mean, there's the to-do list for a church planner is a mile long. um, And that's not even a bivocational church planner. This is a guy who has all day, every day to work on it. Yeah. Uh, And so sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like I needed to be a better leader um, of our team and giving them uh, maybe a voice, that they don't realize they need to have. That's a really muddy way of explaining it. But I, I just think the third thing that I'm – and I'm still learning, obviously, is is it matters how you lead the team. It matters how you shepherd them. It matters how they do what they do, how they're structured and all that kind of stuff. But, man, uh, we, didn't, we didn't celebrate wins on the first go-around. We didn't – because we were just so busy and everyone had jobs and all this kind of stuff, and so we just never did. And uh, so some of that just – um like church as family, yeah. Missing the first go around,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. and I tell you, there's there's no way to understand all the emotions, the the hard work, the sacrifice that goes into a church plant until you experience it. From not just from the planter level, but for the the volunteers, the the people that are coming along with you, because it's not going to be the church they've experienced in the past. There's no yeah. way it can be day one. And so, you know, with that comes a lot of emotions. Okay, I'm having to give up this to go do this. Uh, mm-hmm. And some people, once they get into it, just aren't prepared for that, aren't ready for that. And mm-hmm. then it, then you get the, no, I'm fine, don't worry. You know, it'll be okay. And yeah. they're already gone. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's always, uh, that's always always a challenge.
0: And that's not intuitive to me because maybe it's just me being a dude or, or just not very smart. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> But if I'm not doing well, I'll say it. And I guess yeah. you know one of the things is I, I need to maybe ask the question behind the question um, a little bit better there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that could be all of us. That could be all of us in that. Okay, so so kind of based on you know what you know now, you know after this you know journey and you guys relaunching, uh, I, I don't know that Chad and I have ever heard anybody say, man, I wish we'd have moved cl- quicker. Yeah. Uh, or wish we'd have launched sooner. You know, it's always I wish we'd have taken more time in this or taken more time in that. Or you know, what you know, what do you think? You know, would be kind of an appropriate time because we're always trying to to gauge and measure. You know, when is it? When is it time to launch? You know, when is, is it too soon? Is it too late? What is that window? You know, based on what you've experienced. You know, has that changed any? You know, thinking through. You know, kind of. Sure, moving toward
0: launch. I remember, uh, I remember when we launched the first time, and a gentleman who I just met. I mean, he at he he called me Saturday night at like eight o'clock, before before launch, and I was like, I didn't. I don't think I picked up the phone because I was probably vomiting at that point, just <laughs> nervous about launch day, and uh, and he asked me down the about probably about a month later do you think maybe launched prematurely because we hadn't had a worship leader? Right. Um, I said that on the last interview. Um, and, and I, it made me angry Yeah. because I thought, well, if we did, we're here and I don't know what to do about changing the past, but we're going to, we're going to keep moving yeah. with or without, you know, and I, I don't think I quite said it like that as much as I did just in my head. But, um, <laughs> Uh, the answer to that question is still a mystery to me a little bit. I know that there's um, some some benchmarks that you want to hit for sure. Um, I think one of the things, because here's the deal, I had a long on ramp. Um, I, mm. I mean, not a long on ramp, but um, I think one of the things that that makes all the difference in the world is how long you've been in that community, and that any church planner knows yeah. that. That's not that's yeah. not rocket science, right? Uh, I've got a friend who just finally felt called to plant a church. This guy I've been, I've been watching for a long time. I thought, man, it's got one day, one day, one day. He's been in his community for seven years. He decided in September that he was going to plant a church. And within a couple months he said, man, we have like a hundred people on our launch team. Yeah. And I was like, pardon me. I've <laughs> it's been two and a half years and I got 40, you yeah. know, like two and, <laughs> and a half years. And, You know, and two and a half years trying, like people just walked up to you and said, would you please plant a church? You know, just stuff like that. So however you do it, I think there has to be that um, I think there has to be that crucial amount of people. And and I know that there's everyone's got a different metric. Um, And and I the way I'm going to answer questions from now on is a lot less theological and that may, I may sound like a heretic, <laughs> uh, but on the front end of all of this, I thought, man, God can do whatever he wants to do through this. Yeah. And I feel all the passion in the world. And maybe that's just because I'm easily stirred up. All it takes is for me to listen to some worship music and study a sermon. And I am ready to plant a church. Yeah. Um, but the truth is some of those benchmarks weren't there. I would say uh, being in the community for a good long time and earning that trust. Uh, we, we've been here for half years. Um, and I, and I think we're still earning trust. Uh, we just had our first event, uh, first major, major community event where people didn't walk in with, um, like physical, uh, signs of fear. Yeah, um, mm. wow. I've had events I wish I was exaggerating. I've had events in my backyard for so long. We didn't do anything big cause we wanted to start just in our neighborhood and our neighborhood is one street long. It's like one L shaped street and that's it. And we invited people to bring their kids just to our backyard. I think it was spring break or it was the summer or something like that. And um, This was about a year and a half ago when the convention was in town. So it was summer. That's right. The convention was in Columbus and uh, invited our, our, the moms in our neighborhood to bring their kids. And we had a couple college students in from grand Avenue. We're going to play kickball with them. We're going to feed them hot dogs. It's just going to be a good time. And we would love for you guys to just go out to Panera and have like a mom date without your kids. And we just thought that was the, the coolest deal. Like I was patting myself on the back. It's a good idea. (laughs) And first of all, the moms walked around, uh, and they, they knew us as a family, um, but they didn't know what they were walking into. So they were slowly walking in, and I remember their eyes were wide open, uh, very clearly not sure why we invited their kids over to play in our backyard. I mean some of these moms are like from – they're not just eight – they're not, they're non-Christians, but they're Muslims, and they weren't quite sure exactly what what they were going to experience. Um, and, uh, and, and so – so those kinds of things, um, we did those for two years and it's just now this last Friday. So this was good Friday, um, right before Easter, we had a flashlight Easter egg hunt and we, we did social media promotion and, and invited different people and, and stuff like we were inviting everyone we knew and 360 kids registered. Yeah. Uh, before that, the biggest thing we'd ever did reached like 35, yeah. you know? um so so that trust in the community matters I know and I know I'm just kind of long form answering but that I think the trust in the community matters I think the leadership structure matters um I'm in a season right now where um, where I'm I'm wanting to bring the level of leadership and some of our men up um in, in establishing elders and deacons just because uh, first go around I was kind of at the top by myself up you know and then there was you know, we had structure, there was team leads and all this kind of stuff, but when people had a problem, they didn't come to kind of the, like the group of guys that were, were helping lead. They just came to me and everyone came to me with the issues. And, uh, if had some guys, you know, whether you call it overseers, elders, board, whatever, um, deacons, um, that structure of leadership. So that's some of the stuff I think that's got to happen soon, um, for us, or we're gonna, we're gonna end up in in a, in a very similar place. So, um, I, I say all that to say I don't know if I if there's a time. I think you're exactly right. Like no one should ever do it quicker, you yeah. know, like or you know. Um even if you have I mean, my, my friend Dave, like I was just talking about, the dude the dude has a hundred people and they're begging him to launch this church. And we talked and and uh I just thought, man, I, I think I wish I would have slowed down a little bit. Just but to he's be
1: been in the community for seven years, you said. Right. True. Very true. So you've been there two and a half years and, you know, we've got, uh, you know, even some of our larger launch kind of churches. Uh, For instance, we just released today a podcast with uh, Kyle and Zach Reno, Um, you know, two brothers planting here in central Arkansas. And Kyle uh, moved from Alabama, uh, used to be on staff at Summit as their collegiate pastor. Uh, went to, uh, to Mississippi. He was on on church staff in Mississippi, and then moved here to plant with Summit. And so they sent 115, I think, people with him to Conway. And so even though, uh, and they worked a year in the city before they ever had a public service. And so while while Kyle was only here a year they didn't do anything you know worship service wise for a year they're loving on the city they're meeting people they're praying together they're doing all this stuff but the people that were with him had lived there for a long time so they had a lot of relationships and so so there was some relational capital there he was able to to tap into that a lot of guys didn't have and he didn't have himself and but he still took a year uh, before they ever had any kind of public launch, and and it's done well. They've leveraged those relationships well. Uh, but you and you you spent some time in Columbus before, yeah, know, as a youth pastor. But still, uh, it, man, it just takes time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would say that one of the things that that I realized is that I mean we planted with the well we launched with the bare minimum of teams that you would need, and and even then it was not enough. Yeah. Um, we had a kids ministry team that was doing really well. We had a worship, well, we had a worship team starting in January, but that was three months after launch. Um, I should say a worship leader, not a worship team. Um, we had a, uh, we had a group of first impressions people. Um, but as far as like the financial stuff, which is a, a personal weakness of mine, we, we, we didn't really have a team on that. We didn't have a team on outreach. We didn't have a team on um, I mean, as far as discipleship goes, it just of any form, whether you call that small groups or, or just whatever, yeah. um, that just wasn't happening. Um, we were trying to disciple a group of people, and, and I mean, the core the core purpose of a church, um, you know, in essence, we were trying to microwave a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what is it you, – you guys quoted this before, and I, I can't remember who this was. Maybe it's Mike Breen um, – set out to plan a church and you, you may, you may make some disciples set out to make disciples and you'll leave a church in your wake. Is that? Yeah. A church that will always Jim gather. Putman, right? Well, oh, Tim okay. Putman
1: said, uh, you'll leave a church in your wake. Mike Breen says, if you start with making disciples, a church will always gather. Yeah. But if you yeah. start with a, 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 church, you may never get around to making disciples. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And so in his building a discipling culture book and, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, exactly, and uh, and it just you know it just it just takes time. Uh, we we talked Chad and I talked to a guy from Brooklyn, New York, uh, Monday. I guess that was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, yeah. and uh, we're going to do a podcast with him coming up. Shout out to Danny Torres in uh, Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York. Group born there, raised there, never lived anywhere else, and just started. Wow. And uh, I think he, he said what they had 15 or so yeah. gathering uh, right now, been going right at about a year. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's, even if you know people, um, wow. you know, the conversations are difficult in some places and it just yep. takes time. And yep. so uh, they did their first big event, I guess, with an Easter egg hunt and were overrun. <laughs> I mean, like right. 500 kids. You know, with their fifteen, you know, volunteers there and uh, trying to corral them and all the parents as well, and it was it was a funny story, and but uh, I mean it's just you know it's it's always a challenge anytime you're starting something new, and there people always bring expectations, Mm -hmm. whether realistic or unrealistic, they they always you know kind of bring a mindset, and and I don't I don't think everybody's prepared for the challenges that come, you know, with, with the church plant. And so the, you just can't overemphasize that and, you know, develop your leaders, make disciples, mm-hmm. you know, before you ever do a, a public you know service, it just, yeah. you're just going to be much better off in the long run if you do that. So, yeah. So what, what would you say are kind of some key things that, you know you guys obviously did a lot of work you and Travis kind of doing some whiteboard sessions and things like that you know what are some of those key things that you guys put in place I mean you mentioned kind of a couple of teams that you had this time around you didn't have before but what would you say were some of the benchmarks that before we have another you know public service you know launch service whatever these are some things that have got to be in place
0: what would you say some of those things are um Part of it, part of it, kind of like I said earlier, we wrestled to the ground. You know, wide wide the city that we're in, and so, um, and I got to be—I mean, part of that loss of confidence. We, we live in an affluent city, um, in Columbus. Um, we're kind of the we're we're just a couple streets away from kind of uh, greater the greater Columbus area. We're within the greater Columbus area, but we're 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 outside of the Columbus city limits, um, and we're one of the top five affluent cities in, in Columbus. And so one of the things was, you know, are you the kind of guy that goes out to lunch with rich business owners? And I was like, or or plays golf with rich business owners. And I was like, okay, you know, those are questions I need to, to hammer out, you know, is, uh, you know, what is, what is good news to your neighborhood? You know, asking those kinds of questions. Um, all those were, were foundational things like that. But, um, you know, some of the things that. Travis is a, is a launch large guy. Um, Travis is also like, he's his, one of his best gifts is communication vision. Um, He's a gatherer big time. He can pull a group of people together. um, And and that's not necessarily a a strength of mine. And so we, we talked about what it takes to gather people. Um, You know, I think some of the key things that need to be in place, I think um, one of the things that I think I, I may have done. So I, I am now in, the second run of this, and I realize this is recorded for everyone to hear, and so like <laughs> if this doesn't work, they're going to be like, "Oh, well, like he said it on the podcast." and yeah.
2: um, I it's think okay. One Only of the four thing- people will know it didn't work out, Mark. That's <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right. Hi, Dave's mom. Uh, yeah. The uh, the the interesting thing that has been inside of me lately is that it was never intuitive for me to start like multiple groups before we had ever. Publicly launch, I always just kind of mm. thought that would happen. Yeah. After, and I know a lot of people would say, no, 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 like launch different communities and multiply those disciples, um, you know, multiply groups yeah. uh, before you do that, and then gather those, and that's your launch, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I know there's lots of different ways to, to do church, um, but um, I think that having a group of people that can make disciples that like can multiply. Um, I think that is one of probably the most key things. Um, Sure, areas are staffed, but if you've got areas staffed with people that don't know how to develop leaders and don't know how to multiply um, leaders, disciples, and things like that, I think that we're just gonna be in the same spot. So um, while we don't have a system of of groups multiplying yet, um, we do have a system of team leads um, and now that we're kind of out of launch season, um, the launch team kind of disbands, and we start to have leadership meetings with the people that are are, are leading the different departments in our in our church. Um, you know, so some of that those that first meeting happens tonight in about three hours at my house, um, and um, and we'll talk about what it's going to take to recruit volunteers to develop leaders. Um, and eventually those people are going to be kind of working themselves out of positions. But those, you know, I think we've started in a healthy way now where we have different team leads. We've got a strong worship team. We've got a strong kids team. We've got a strong first impressions team. Um, and, and, and we're working on outreach now. We've got a new outreach director. Um, so things like that, um, I think are, are, are important. There are things that, um, you know, like I said, I am, I'm not a systems guy and my wife is a systems girl. Yeah. And so if that tells you a little bit about how our marriage is, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes she's like we need to create some things to make these things work and I'm like, ah, we'll just, you know, we'll just figure it out along the way. Yeah. Um which is um also tells you how annoying it is to work with me if you like <laughs> details. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cuz I'm a big picture guy. So so I've been stretched in a lot of ways uh, with with owning up to the fact that we need those systems. Um, and stuff like that the follow-up team is another one of those departments that I think is important um, so so those are some of those key things and I and I, you know there's so many different benchmarks that I probably am, am missing a good number of them but um, that discipleship element that that multiplying leaders element is such a big deal because the truth is is that that's what the church is all about originally that's what we're supposed to be about so um, yeah you know and and- by the and I listen to my podcast because I'm still learning. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I tell you, we, we say it all the time um, to guys. And, and I think, you know, with some it registers, with a lot it does not, that if um, if you don't make evangelism and making disciples a priority – you are probably not gonna be a strong enough speaker to attract enough people to overcome that. Yeah. Uh you know the the Matt Chandlers, the uh the JD Greers, the 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 really charismatic communicators are few and far between. You know, a lot of guys, you know, and, and hear me guys out there on this, a lot of you, I am no Matt Chandler, I am no JD Greer, I am not that kind of guy, and neither are you. <laughs> you know, for for most most people now some have that gift and and they'll attract some people what they attract you know, may be you know not what they want to attract but they'll attract and so right. it, this this disciple making component and we've just we've just really kind of honed in on this and focused in on this this has to be there and you can't just give it lip service and say yeah we're going to make disciples okay how are you going to do it what yeah. are they going to look like when when you're done and and put it on paper, show me, yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's frustrating to some guys. It would be frustrating to me, but I'm telling you, if that is not in place, it's not going
2: to work. It's yeah. just not going to work.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree fully. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mark, uh, thanks man for, uh, for being on here. Num- number one, for you to have the courage, I think to come uh, be on, that last episode that you were on, in that specific season of your life, and it was really hard. We asked you some very difficult questions, and you just, man, you just took it and went with it, and and so it we takes wanted... a lot
1: of courage to be on a podcast with it me does. and Chad. Anyway, I mean, you know, and even if things are great, you know, what are they going to ask? Those <laughs> guys are idiots. This is going to yeah. be awkward, and, and we love so that. The,
2: so we wanted to touch back base with you because, uh, we, we are excited about what, what the Lord was doing in this, in this season and this residency. So we're glad to know, uh, how things have been going with you. And we want to ask you again, you know, one more thing you could say to, to a planter out there, uh, what, one piece of advice just to kind of wrap up and then, and then maybe give us a couple of things we can pray for you about. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: I mean I think I think if you ask me that question literally any at any point in my life I'm probably gonna say the same thing which is you just got to make sure that your heart is close to the Lord um, there's a lot that you can handle if you're if you're gravitated into his presence and uh and i'm I'm first and foremost um, bad at Sabbath <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really good at waking up being acquainted with my to-do list and getting working on that. And, um, yeah. And I, frankly, if I can just be real, I I found myself drained today as I was just knocking down the to-do list and feeling not fulfilled in it. And quite frankly is because I got moving early this morning, just completely forgetting that, that I have a Lord and savior that, that would love to spend time with me. And so, um, you know, hear me clearly. I have not figured this out in such a way that I'm just a raving success. Uh, yeah. I, I've still got a lot of mistakes that way um, and there's still things I'm working on. Um, you know, when I when I talked on the last podcast about things I need to fix, uh, those aren't all fixed yet. Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of working through some of that. So um, at the end of the day, I, I know that there's – you've got to – you've got to spend that daily time with the Lord. Um, you've got a Sabbath, what is it weekly? And you've got a, uh, retreat, you know, annually, I think Rick Warren says, and, and I think those matter to me the most. Um, you know, cause I think like we said last time, you, you lose your, your tightness with the Lord. If you lose your family, you lose everything. And so I'm just not, I'm not interested in that. Um, yeah. so that's, that's, I mean, gosh, it's, it's all about that. And, uh, and I think part of if I can just answer my own question from earlier um, gosh I think maybe some of my confidence was gone because I'm I'm anchored to my own ability to win yeah you know mm. yeah and uh, not and not so so when I get up on Sunday and I am like preaching a powerful lesson. It's only because it's an overflow of the relationship that I have with the Lord. It's only because when I had some personal time with him and I discovered some new things about scripture, I mean, that's when I come alive. Um, and so when you try to manufacture that because you didn't have that time, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's where you get to a place like I was at. Um, as word. far as prayer requests, uh, or just things that I'm asking for. Um, so, so to give everyone a quick update, we launched, um, so we had Friday night, we had this flashlight Easter egg hunt and it did, it did really well, like super excited about it. Probably about 750 people were out there, 360 kids registered. It was wow. exciting. Uh, it went well. Um, it's the, by far the biggest event we've ever run in, in our history of a church. Um, we got nothing but positive comments unless people are lying to me. They <laughs> yeah. said it was fun. It was organized and they hope we're back next year. Um, and so, um, we're in the middle of trying to like follow up with some of those people. Um, that went well, Sunday morning we relaunched, we had 90, it's most attendance we've ever had two people prayed to receive Christ. That was exciting. Um, and, and so things are good. The volunteers are stoked. Um, you know, and so I know that it is kind of a grind, you know, you can't have Easter 52 weeks a year. And so, (laughs) um, but, but those things are really good. We've got a couple guys right now. Um, at least two right now, that feel called to plant a church. And so we are officially, I guess you could call it planning pregnant, where we're, we're holding that DNA of a church planning church. And so we're officially starting a residency in the, in the informal sense right now. So some of these guys are, are going to be leading small groups um, that are going to be launching this fall. Um, they're uh, leading ministries right now they're you know doing all that kind of stuff so our goal is in the next three to five years to get one of these guys launched out same in the same way that Covenant did except we want this residency to start now and so there's no like you know pulling back yeah um, like we did we I would never suggest anyone did what I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, don't recommend yeah. it right the overall health of the church right now is good Um, pray for our, you know, leadership development efforts, our discipling efforts. Um, our team, our team captains meet tonight for staff meeting. Um, we're, we're in a really good place. I'm excited about where we are. Um, and so we've got some trust in our community. We've, we've had a, a good amount of people, um, show up and, and they know we're there now. I think for the first time people know we're in, we're in this city. Um, and so, you know, they can definitely stay up with us on Facebook or whatever. We're Access Church. Um, and uh, and, but definitely we need the prayers for yeah. sure. Yeah, awesome, for sure,
1: awesome. Yeah, man. Well, man, thanks for coming back on and uh, doing a little uh, doing a little touch up uh, with you and uh, glad things went well. And this has been a very awkward conversation. If it hadn't gone well, and uh, which could have been fun too, <laughs>
0: I've been thinking about that for about six months. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, if things go horribly wrong, we'll bring you back on and talk about how terrible a church planner you are, and that you should never do it again. How about that?
0: Yep, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no man, I'm excited. I you know I think it uh, uh, sounds like you know things are are in place. You know the the spiritual direction is in place, the practical, strategic direction is in place, and so uh, now you just got to work the plan. And so, man, we're excited about the relaunch and glad it went well. And we'll be praying for for your team, praying for you and Christy and uh, kiddos, and and uh, praying for Dublin as well that uh, that you know that spiritual climate would grow and and Jesus would just show up in a huge way there. So it'll so be cool. All right, well, great conversation with Mark, and I love that dude. Uh, just a great guy. Uh, just, I just know some good things are going to happen up in Columbus with him and uh, excited that he's gotten a chance. You know, not everybody gets a chance at a do-over, and, and he really got a chance at a do-over. And, man, huge shout-out to Grand Avenue Baptist Church in Fort Smith and their willingness to hang with him and partner with him, you know, through all this. Uh, shout out to Covenant Church in Columbus uh, and Pastor Travis. Uh, man, what a huge investment they've made as boots on the ground there for him in Columbus. And so, you know, a couple of things that you know that he highlighted that really want you know everybody to hear. And, and you know, we talk about it a lot. But it's some of the things that quickly go once you get in the fray of church planning. One is that personal spiritual development, you know, in your walk with Jesus, I heard somebody say one time that he was headed for burnout and what he realized is that he was spending more time working for the Lord than he was walking with the Lord. And and and, and particularly with guys that are kind of high drive, you know, dreamers, creators, you know, the I's and the D's on the personality spectrums, you know, those who are extroverts versus introverts. It's, you know, it's a greater challenge sometimes for those guys to put the to-do list aside and realize that there's nothing more important than that to-do list than that time with Jesus. Because the to-do list means nothing until you've had that time with Jesus. And typically when things get busy, as everybody's kind of coming out of Easter season and all the stuff that we do around Easter to try and, you know, connect with people and and make Jesus known in the community, one of the quickest things to be jettisoned from the airplane is that, yeah, you know, that excess weight of spending time with Jesus, and and that is the most important thing uh, above everything else. And so, so you know, here once again. You guys out there do not neglect that time. And I, I'm you know one of the worst at that as well because I get my to-do list going and think of all the things I've got to get done, and, and that happens. And then the second thing for me um, was the emphasis on the disciple-making and you know making sure you've got the right team together. They know who they are in Christ. They know where they're going. They know what they're doing, and, and that just takes time. Everybody gets in such a hurry uh, to get things going and get things up and running that that's another thing that we neglect and we assume a whole lot of stuff. I had a conversation with a guy not too long ago, and this is a common conversation. And uh, you know, kind of frustrated because these folks aren't sharing the gospel like you know he wants them to, and aren't making disciples like he wants them to. And as as the conversations go on. You begin to realize that they're assuming that their folks know how to do this. And they're assuming that their sermon series they just did on evangelism or disciple-making is enough to teach them how to do this, and and it's it's just not. Uh, Mike Breen, you know, we talked about him earlier in Disciple-Making, his book, Building a Discipling Culture, He talks about there is a teaching component to making disciples. There is information that they need and a knowledge base that needs to be built up. But there also is an environment in which they need to be immersed they need to be in a climate and an environment where disciple making is the culture it is the norm and they're watching this happen you know all over the place and picking up tips from several different people and then you've got to have that person that will take them on one on one and model for them how to do this so so they're they're being taught They're immersed in a culture where disciple making is taught and modeled over and over. And then there is a person that is walking with them. Here's how you make a disciple. And most of us have never had somebody do that with us. So it's very hard for us to tell others how to do that. So if you don't know how to do that, it's time to go to school right now, you know, to learn how to do that and figure out your plan for making disciples. And uh, he Breen quoted G.K. Chesterton in his book, and he said, uh, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. And and he said, you just gotta understand you're not gonna be good at this in the beginning. You're gonna sit down with a guy and, and wrap up a conversation and think, ah, I wish I'd have said this, I wish I'd done that. He said, it just takes practice and you just got to do it. And and so uh, you know, Mark has realized that and experienced that, and what happens when you don't do that? You know, up in Columbus, and uh, uh, and we have those conversations all the time, and cannot overemphasize uh, that and, and say it enough.
2: Yeah, I, I I would also say what stood out is what you said earlier about, you know, am I focused on being or am I focused on doing? And yeah. if you're if you're doing is dictating what who you're being instead of your yeah. being dictating what you're doing, then yeah. you got an issue. It's a Mary Martha thing, you know. Or it you is preoccupied with many wonderful good things when only really yeah. one thing's needed, and that's to sit at the feet of Jesus, you know. Right. Uh, Vance Pittman says that our primary calling is not ministry but intimacy, and yeah. and ministry is what flows out of intimacy. Right. And uh, so I think he is hitting on something that. Uh, is the first thing to go for a lot of guys when you when yep. they get in the crucible and we get in the the busyness, uh, we we just think we can put you know uh, all that on autopilot and yeah, n- not good. So I, yeah, that, that stood out to me too. Um, you know, I, I I can't help but think that while he was talking that this whole identity and ministry thing, yeah i I almost think, and I think I think you've mentioned this to me before that uh when when Dr. Tucker talks about hiring somebody at the state convention, he always looks mm-hmm. for somebody who's experienced revival and somebody who's kind of gotten their rear end kicked, maybe yeah. is that yeah. what you said maybe once? yep, yep, and I do think that there's something to a lot of people who everything they've touched has turned to gold, yeah, and yeah. you almost need to get your butt kicked somewhere. And, yeah. and and guys that don't, there is this air about them that every every ministry they've ever led, everything they've ever done has grown and multiplied. And it's so easy to just believe your own hype, you know? And yeah, I, I mean I don't I just think that's that's a very I see that a lot. I sit across yeah. the table from guys that, you know, they might as well say, I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal, you know? <laughs> and uh yeah. So to hear hear like Mark say, you know this process has been really difficult, but I think he's gonna benefit from this, yeah, in a way that he never would had he only had success in ministry, you know, yeah, had he only yep. ever you know he never would have maybe known that his identity was not in a place it should have been had he never right. gone through this and right, and I think about my quote unquote failed church experience and how it shaped uh, my experience at the next church that I was a part of, and yeah, you know. It just something about grounding you, your identity in Jesus, in times that aren't awesome. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Man, we all need that in ministry. Yeah, and if you if you've never had that, I guess that's a blessing in some ways. But you got to find that grounding some other way then, because it's just so easy to think that. Every idea you've ever had is a good one. I don't know yeah, you know yeah. what I'm
1: saying well and and there are some guys I think that have you know experienced that that constant upward trajectory that doesn't mean they haven't done things that didn't work and they've they've structured. Uh, or open themselves up to good, healthy criticism. You know, along the way from people, they have somebody. It's right. uh, a guy. Uh, you know, and I may have mentioned this guy on the podcast before. I was a guy named Carson Pugh who wrote a book called Mentoring Leaders, and he he made a statement. He said one of the reasons that so many high profile leaders fall is because they've moved beyond a place where they have any accountability. Yeah, there there's nobody that will look them in the eye and say you can't do that. Yeah. And I think the guys that you know, have been able to maintain that upward trajectory and, and that constant growth have figured out a way to give at least somebody access to them and and an, and an open you know a, a blank checkbook to say anything to them that they need to say right. And to have a friend like, you know, and, and I think Mark experienced some of that with Travis in that residency where they're doing kind of these whiteboard sessions sessions, and he's asking them the hard questions. You know, okay, wh- you know, why are you doing this? You know, you know, what is it gonna take to get your confidence back, you know, your communication style? Um, you know, how are, how are you gonna gather people? Uh, you know, just some of those questions that, you know, we, we kind of think, you know, we'll figure out along the way, but there's not really a plan there, you know, to do it. And so to have somebody in our lives to ask us those hard questions, and and I don't care who you are, those hard questions are never easy and never comfortable. They're always, they're hard questions because they're hard to receive. Right. Um, but if, if we, if we can do that and accept that criticism and, uh, Man, we'll just we'll just grow leaps and bounds yep. and all
2: that. Yeah, I'll say one more thing. Um, I, I I I have gone back to this airplane analogy a lot lately. Um, that you know, an airplane that stays on the runway doesn't fulfill its purpose for what was created, right. and one that but one that takes off too quickly uh, can end up crashing and crashing burning and burning. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so with church plants, most church planters want to plant yesterday. You know, yeah. and they can't yeah. plant soon enough. They can't start a service soon enough. Can't start preaching enough. And so I think, um, you know, Mark Mark kind of has helped in, in thinking about, you know, I think he said that guy's been in the community seven years and now is planting with a small, you know, group of a hundred, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: And I, I think you've got to figure out what that sweet spot is for you in your context because some guys need a longer runway than others. But if you try to take off too fast, it might kill you, you know? Yeah. But if you you know, see if you never take off, you're not playing a church. So you gotta figure yeah. out that sweet spot. But usually it's guys rush it. You know, they're trying yeah. to get out there, they're trying to do it. And and it might seem okay at first that you've launched too quickly, but I think eventually it'll catch up with you. So Yeah. Uh, that's just something I think we're trying to figure out and help guys walk through. So it's good stuff yeah. from Mark. Really appreciate yeah.
1: it. And those are those are necessary questions to ask yourself uh, in the process, and they've got to be asked somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of guys right now I'm talking with that I, I think probably launched a little too quick, and they're feeling the heat of that right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's man, there's just there's no easy way to deal
2: with that. Well, listen, and, once you start a weekly service, yeah, you've got all sorts of deadlines. Uh, that's right. You know. That's right. And you know, it just it you got to feed the beast. Yeah, you know that is Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. And it 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 will grow to be a monster if you don't. So, man, invest your time in some other stuff if you can, in the front end before you before you have to, you know, tame the monster every week. So,
1: <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny the you know why so many. Uh, musicians are one-hit wonders because they spend their whole life writing that first album, that first hit, and then when it comes time for a second one, they don't have anything because there's a lot higher expectation, there's a lot quicker turnaround, and they don't have a lifetime to write that next hit. Yeah. And uh, a lot of planners will kind of spend all this time working on that first sermon series and not doing the work of making disciples. And then once the first sermon series is done, they realize, okay, I've got to come up with another one because I've got to preach Sunday. Right. And uh, and then now we don't have enough children's workers. And so I've got to figure out a way to build in some leadership development time. And, and now we don't have enough small groups. And so i got to figure out how to do that. And all of a sudden you just get swarmed by all this stuff that uh, uh, you know, we weren't prepared for. And... Man, it just, it, it'll get you. It'll get you. So, all right. Well, great time with, with Mark. We're going to kick it over now to story time with Uncle Neil. It's story time with Uncle Neil. Today's story comes from Rooted Church in Johnson, Arkansas, and First Baptist Church in Beebe. There's an old phrase that says teamwork makes the dream work. And this is especially true in church planting between an established church and a new church plant. Recently, Pastor Bob Hall released about 12 people from First Baptist to serve a church in Johnson, Arkansas, named Rooted Church. Pastor Ryan Worley and the folks at Rooted Church had expressed a need for repairs to their church building. Over a two day period, First Baptist Church of BB had repaired steps to the church and remodeled kids' rooms, including sheetrock and cleanup. That's just one example of the power of partnership. Again, teamwork makes the dream work. We want to hear your story. Email us at thegrind@absc.org. at absc.org. Another great story from Neil. I uh, love these Arkansas church planting stories. Just another way to kind of catch up with some of the things God's doing here in our state and a way for for folks to pray, uh, people to pray for, context to pray for, communities to pray for. So keep that in mind as we kind of share these stories. We're going to jump into our bookshelf now. And so Chad, won't you kick us off? What do you got for us uh, this episode?
2: Well, I think based on kind of what Mark was uh, was talking about and, and kind of what you said in the follow-up is uh, how important it is to have a team and have people around you, have the right people around you, where you're not just the man that everybody's coming to you about everything. So it brings me back to uh, The Permanent Revolution uh, by Tim Ketchum and Alan Hirsch. And I, I come uh-huh. back to this because Alan Hirsch is about to come out with a new book uh, called yep. 5Q about uh, A-PEST. And so, yep. um, so Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher, I think it's a game changer for leading a team in church planting, and it's the part of the toxicity of, of the church culture that we have uh, because we don't see a pest uh, in, in motion and in action. And uh, so I, I recommend that for, for guys that are looking at building a team and uh, and how they're going to place uh, people around them that aren't in their gift gift mix and aren't in their their sweet spot. Uh, and then I'm looking forward to, to seeing what the, the new book by uh, Hirsch is going to be like
1: yeah that is a dense read it's not it is a, dense a, yeah it's not bathroom reading uh there it, it it merits time spent plowing through what they're saying and man those guys are so smart and I, i'm really looking forward to the five q book as well because it's supposed to be a more kind of practical uh outworking of what this looks
2: like in in a local church my, expression my only question is what does q stand for I'm not sure. I, mean, I don't think I don't it know says. Yet. I've looked all over the website and all over. I can't. It's you know, it's a cool name, but we're I have going no to idea exponential
1: here coming soon, so we'll get a chance to see Alan and talk yeah. to him, and uh, so we'll ask him what does the Q stand for, Alan? Yeah. What's it mean? So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all right, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one as well. Permanent Revolution is fantastic, awesome, awesome stuff. And uh, Chad's definitely right. Yeah, if you're if you're interested in the whole pest thing, I would start with shaping of things to come and Alan and Michael Frost kind of deal with a chapter on that and then move to forgotten ways where Alan unpacks it even more. And then, and then permanent revolution where you get the both barrels (laughs) of the gun and really unpack, particularly the apostolic uh, aspect of, of a pest and uh, but great, great stuff. There is some progression there to kind of help you a little bit. I think, um, so my book this this time around is um, uh, preaching communicating faith in an age of skepticism by Tim uh, one Timothy Keller. Hold
2: on. Hold on. Dave has has read a Tim Keller book. Tim That's, Keller. I've read book. I've read two Tim Keller books at this point. I, let me tell yeah. you. Let's just let's just have a moment of silence please. I I like Keller. I've never besmirched Keller's name. There are other
1: names that I have besmirched. But Keller's not one of them, and uh, uh, and so, uh, uh, but uh, besmirched. Besmirched. There's a word for it. That's a church that, planning word. Not illustrious. It? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know what besmirched means too. Uh, it's to you know speak poorly of to. Uh, profane the name, so to speak. But
2: uh, well, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just want yeah, to point for, out uh, this was momentous. Go ahead.
1: Yes. Yeah, this is the first Tim Keller book that I've recommended. However, you have recommended, I think, five. Yeah, I've got uh, a couple
2: point. in the hopper, too. I just <laughs> feel like it's yeah. tacky. i got to give a few episodes before I recommend another one. So. Another
1: one, yeah. So, I've actually uh, not
2: read this one, so I'm excited to hear about it.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, man, I've been doing some, some reading on preaching, and we're actually doing a— Preaching cohort video conference preaching cohort with Wyman Richardson, and we're not using this book. We're using another one, but this is one that we've recommended in the midst of this cohort. And and I'm it's absolutely awesome. Um, love it. Now here's here's kind of my I I mean the guys that know me know me well uh, know kind of my beef with some of the popular preachers in the more reformed tradition, uh, John MacArthur, John Piper. Uh, I, I'm just I'm not a fan, and there's a lot there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm not gonna go into that, but Keller is so balanced. Yeah, in the Reformed tradition is is so brilliant. He has you know preaching in Manhattan. I cannot imagine what that's like on a week to week basis with the kind of people that come to Redeemer, and and how on point you have to be and how prepared you have to be in an environment with highly educated, highly professional, highly skeptical people. And, and so, and, and we have several, you know, there's similar contexts, you know, in Arkansas like that, around the country like that, you know, some for different reasons. But it is just a great book on the why of preaching, the how of preaching, how to keep it Christ-centered, how to preach. Christ through the whole Bible, not just the New Testament. Yep. Um, and then and there's a section at the end that I absolutely love where he talks about some real practical things that that he uses in, in putting his sermons together. And, and, and one, he talks about uh, diversifying your conversation partners. Wow. And what he means by that is read people that you don't like. Read people that you don't agree with. Uh, he, he, he says that, you know, he will read the, um, you know, the New Yorker in one sense, which give a, a more liberal kind of take on life and then read Wall Street Journal, which is a very capitalistic, commercialistic, consumeristic kind of deal. And then, you know, may read the Village Voice, you know, for, you know, that kind of voice. And so, you know, read broadly interact with people of different philosophies and approaches to life. And he says, because the gospel has something to say to everybody. Yeah. But the only way we know how to contextualize that the gospel is if we're reading broadly and understanding, you know, kind of the world in which we live. I I love that section. And that that was one of the things I always appreciate about the education I got from Williams Baptist College and Southwestern Seminary. Um, is you know with the professors I had in those settings at least they always challenge us to read beyond you know our, our tribe our, our tradition um, and to hear different voices uh, you know he, he talks about you know to diversifying whom you picture as you prepare um, you know not everybody that, that comes to your church is coming from the same place so how are you you know dad Uh, when he was in seminary, there's an African-American preacher that they taught preaching there. And he met with, he and a group of guys met with on a weekly basis. And he used illustration one time. He said, he said, every time I get up to preach, he said, I've got to understand that on the row where my family sits, he said, there is a uh, guy with a PhD and something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, There is my wife who did not complete a high school education and he said, "Then there are my kids sitting next to her." And he said, "I need to have something for everybody in the midst uh. of that." And and he said, for instance, he said, "All those people come to my my house for for Sunday dinner." Uh, he said, "My wife is going to prepare a lot of things. You know, she'll you know, maybe cook you know steak for us, a casserole for somebody else, and macaroni and cheese for my kids. <laughs> you know, and everybody gets something." And, and so he said, the more you know your audience and know who you're preaching to, the better you can communicate and prepare. And Keller's saying very similar things with this. Uh, weaving application throughout the sermon. Uh, he takes issue with guys that do not provide any what now answers, um, and uh, which I, I absolutely love. Now, that doesn't mean you water down the gospel and just give a bunch of how-to lists. He doesn't ever do that. But... But people need to walk away with a couple of things to do with what they just heard. You yeah, you got to give the so
2: what, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, man, that's a great sermon. Now, what do I do with it? You yeah, know, How do I unpack yeah. this? And, and you don't want to take the role of the Holy Spirit in all that, but uh, to to give at least a track to run down so they can process what they just heard right? and not assume that they have a seminary degree and are going to know how to unpack what you just gave them right and uh, and so and he does that brilliantly. Um, you know using variety in the way he preaches, how he preaches uh, you know balancing you know application, uh, how you do all that from warning and admonition to encouragement and renewal, comforting, soothing, urging, pleading I mean all these different things and and then being emotionally aware I love this section here where he, he talks about, he said, there's a moment in every sermon where people are particularly pliable and you can just sense it in the church. The spirit is moving, God is at work, and you can just sense it in the room. He says, take advantage of that moment. He said, do not let those moments pass by uh, when, when God seems to be at work. And he said, he said, you're gonna see it by the way people are sitting forward and listening to what's going on. You can see it in their reactions in their face. There's no fidgeting, there's no shuffling, it's still, it's quiet, people are, are, are locked in. He, said, he says, be aware of those moments and do not let those moments pass by. Um, so not only is he a brilliant communicator, but he, he's, he's a student of his audience. He's a student of other people and the way people think and process information. i I'll tell you, I, I cannot recommend this book enough. If you're a preacher and wanting to improve your preaching, and, and this is a book worth pouring over, and uh, I highly recommend it. I listened to the audio, and I'm now going back through the, the written copy and kind of highlighting and making notes. Of some of the things that that came out, and man, just just great stuff. So, so there's my Tim Keller recommendation. For Amen.
2: Them. Next thing you know, you'll be liking soccer. Who? Soccer.
1: Oh, well, liking soccer? Um, no, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Soccer is never, a my, soccer, mysterious sport to me. Who's soccer? <laughs> oh, that was dumb. Okay. All right, so so there you go. There's our recommendations for the week. Uh, once again, thank you guys for, uh, for joining us. Um, by the time this airs, we will have come back from Exponential, and uh, we'll be uh, unpacking some of that, hopefully have some interviews from Exponential with some guys to share in the future. Uh, We've got uh, some cool interviews coming up with Nathan James and Grant Harrison of Epic Church in Little Rock. They're uh, uh, they're a little over 10 years old now, so they're kind of veterans at this, and so Mm -hmm. really wanted to kind of pick their brain and see what they've learned over 10 years of planting Epic Church in downtown Little Rock. Uh, We've also got Matt Hess from Toronto, Ontario, Canada coming up, uh, George Ross from New Orleans, and so some fun conversations coming up. Uh, on church planting. So, so stay tuned with us. Thanks for listening. Uh, You know, keep writing us reviews. Uh, Our position on iTunes is climbing. Uh, If you Google or Google, if, if you search church planting on iTunes now, we're either three or four uh, depending on what shows up that day, uh, you used to not be able to find us by searching church planting. So so thank you guys for the reviews. And uh, uh, we sent out a couple more books and mugs uh, this week and uh, got a couple more to send out. And so we thank you guys so much for that. Uh, and uh, share share with your friends. Let us know what you think. Uh, we constantly want to make this better. And I hope you're enjoying it. And hopefully, better days ahead. Check us out, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, website, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all of that, all the typical social media outlets, and uh, invite your friends. Share with your mother, you know, and uh, I don't think our moms listen, but, you know, it's mom-friendly and appropriate. Yeah. Most of the time.
2: <laughs> Most of the time. We haven't gone <laughs> yeah. to explicit yet. So
1: that's, right, that's right. That's so, uh, right. So anyway. So thanks, guys. We'll see you next time on The Grind. Keep grinding.